Welcome to episode 122 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're taking a look at All Souls. This is Season 5, Episode 17. The original air date was Sunday, April 26th, 1998. The IMDb user score has risen from 7.6 to 7.7 in the past couple years, and the action primarily takes place in the state of Virginia. So this episode is a little bit unusual in the sense that it does follow up upon previous episodes, but it does so in a way that's not really followed on later. So we just get some fallout from the Christmas Carol Emily two-parter earlier this season, which is pretty necessary. I mean, Scully found out that her body was used to produce a child she knew nothing about, and that baby passed away shortly after she had learned about it. It would have to be devastating, but we didn't see a huge amount of impact it had on her with you know, the exception of a couple moments within those episodes, maybe a scene or two afterwards. Whereas this entire episode is focused on helping her accept that loss, deal with it, and move on. So in this one, we start off with a pre-credits teaser of a girl with some pretty severe medical issues who's, you know, wheelchair-bound seems to be aware of her surroundings but not able to control her body well enough to directly interact with people and respond to them as she's getting baptized. Then she wakes up in the middle of the night and runs out into the street in the rain, dies in a praying position with her eyes burned out. And, you know, the police have looked into it. We find out after the opening credits, they're not really giving any straight answers, although they're aren't that many to give. They're looking about maybe a bolt of lightning, electrocution, because her eyes appear to have been burnt out. She doesn't seem to be physically capable of getting out there on her own, so I don't know why her parents were not greater suspects. I mean, the fact that this happened on the day of the baptism, if they're devout, that might have been a way to sort of prepare her to make sure that if they took her life, then she would still go to the heaven they believed in. But that possibility doesn't seem to cross the minds of anyone involved. Scully is brought in by the pastor, Father McHugh, same one we saw in Christmas Carol and Emily, to help the family and sort of work the case. And as she gets more and more deeply involved, she eventually asks Mulder for help. But he's got a pretty minimal interaction this episode. It's primarily Gillian Anderson. But as they get more and more involved in the case, they realize that this girl who was adopted is actually one of four quadruplets, and they may be the Nephilim, so, you know, souls of angels birthed in mortal bodies by the union of the seraphim, an angel, and a mortal woman. It's part of literature, but not one officially recognized by the church, although Father McHugh did still have a copy right in his office to show Scully, and that does really seem to be the way that we are meant to interpret this. That's what's going on. Mulder is skeptical because, again, the producers decided Scully would be sort of the view of the audience and the majority, which meant she's a Christian and Mulder would accept any paranormal that's not based on Christian theology. He's the atheist in that as the minority viewpoint. So there's a little bit of tension between them there. Ultimately, Scully does feel that she was called upon to protect these children, and 
you, we would like to think that she succeeded in that. It does appear that the social worker who had been assigned to the girls actually was the devil or one of his agents, and he had been unable to obtain the souls of these girls because the seraphim was reclaiming them before he could get to them. That's actually a nice reveal because they are setting up Father Gregory, who started his own denomination outside the regular church as a prime suspect. He is certainly Mulder's prime suspect, and with good reason. He is doing a lot of non-standard things and using non-standard symbols, but the social worker really is the evil one, and Father Gregory was doing the right things, or at least was acting with the right motivations. So it does give us a very good look at Scully, and it's nice to focus on her. The episode is well produced overall, even though there's actually quite a lot of people who are new to the X-Files involved in its production. It was directed by Alan Coulter. Now, prior to this, Alan had directed three episodes of Millennium, an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, and a few others. This is his only X-Files directorial credit, although he would go on to do New York Undercover, eight episodes of Sex in the City, 12 episodes of The Sopranos, 11 Boardwalk Empires, and more. So he is still working today, but this is the only time we'll be looking at his work during this podcast. Now, the original story idea came in from the writing team of Billy Brown and Dan Angel. This is, again, their first and only X-Files credit. Prior to this, they had done a homemade comedy special, Body Bags TV movie, and a two-part episode of Extreme Ghostbusters. Since then, they've stuck with kind of horror, but primarily aimed at younger audiences like the Extreme Ghostbusters. So we're looking at the TV adaptations of Goosebumps, Night Vision, Spooksville, and a couple of R.L. Stein series and TV movies. I say the stories by them because the final draft of the script was done by John Scheiben and Frank Spotnitz. So there are a couple of X-Files regulars. We don't need to go into great detail with them. We've heard a lot about them in the past, and we'll continue to hear a lot about them in the future. Now, in terms of the cast, the most notable guest star is probably Glenn Morshower. This is Morshower's only X-Files appearance as Aaron Starkey, the social worker who was secretly either the devil or one of his minions. Prior to this, he'd appeared in Air Force One, Star Trek Voyager, Alien Nation, Star Trek Generations, Star Trek Next Generation, Quantum Leap, Matlock, Full House, in a career dating back to 1976. And that career is still going strong today. He would appear in two episodes of Millennium following this, the Godzilla film with Matthew Broderick, First Wave, JAG, seven episodes of CSI Crime Scene Investigations as Sheriff Brian Mobley, Strange World, nine episodes of The West Wing, Star Trek Enterprise, Transformers, the first movie by Michael Bay. He was Aaron Pierce in 49 episodes of 24. He was in Friday Night Lights. So if you don't know him by name, you will likely know him by appearance. He's even appeared as General Jacobs in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and General Sam Lane in the Supergirl TV series. Now, Jody Rassicott was Father Gregory. His 
resume isn't quite as impressive. This is also his only X-Files appearance. He's got a number of appearances prior to this, including John Woo's Once a Thief, the TV series, Tech War, Affects the series. Following this, he was in Crow Stairway to Heaven, The Outer Limits, The City, The Nero Wolf Mystery, The Newsroom, the 2004 series, The Flash Gordon TV series as Dr. Hans Zarkov, and according to the IMDb, that's what he's best known for is the Flash Gordon series, although he was also in the Lizzie McGuire movie Final Destination 3 and Night at the Museum. Now, all of the quadruplets that were being targeted were played by Emily Perkins. She's best known for her work in Ginger Snaps, Ginger Snaps 2, Juno, and She's the Man. She's also Becky Rosen, later Becky Rosen Winchester in Supernatural. She was Sue Lewis in 35 episodes of Da Vinci's Inquest. This is her only X-Files appearance. Lauren Dywald reprises her role as Emily Sim. We talked about her in the earlier two-parter. Eric Keenly's side plays Lance Kernoff, the father of the first victim. He's best known for Godzilla, Dreamcatcher, Firewall, and Freddy Got Fingered. He's got 167 credits to his name, including five in post-production, so he's not slowing down anytime soon. His wife was played by Patty Allen. She's also got sizable credits to her name. Again, this is the only X-Files credit, but she'd also previously appeared in Action Man and a number of other things going back to 1988. And she also continues to work up until today with other projects in post-production. Best known for playing Mrs. Kinsey on Stargate SG-1, she was also in Good Boy, Grey Matters, and The 4400. Arnie Walters reprises his role as Father McHugh. In his third and final X-Files appearance, he'd previously been in Gethsemane and Redux 2. He also appeared a couple of times on Millennium. We will talk about him again when he shows up as a preacher, but an unnamed preacher, in the Lone Gunman spin-off series during Season 8. And finally, Tim O'Halloran hasn't had a lot of credits to his name. He was an uncredited patrolman in Hell Money. Here he's uncredited as the sergeant outside the door where Father Gregory was being detained. But again, just a couple of uncredited roles. Those are his only two X-Files appearances, although he was also in The Net, The Outer Limits, Andromeda, and a number of other credits going up to 2015. Best known for Scary Movie 4, that guest spot on Andromeda, The Final Cut. And they even have Supernatural as driver number two. And those are the kind of names I'm seeing for most of his characters. Agent number one, detective number one, heavy cop, foreman, hospital guard. So he seems to be getting a decent amount of work, but predominantly in sort of the nameless background roles. Which tells me odds are when he's showing up for the auditions, he's really personable, really likable, the kind of person that they want to work with. But he's got kind of a unique physical look that doesn't fit a lot of roles but still the producers want to give him some part and work with him to some degree. So that is very promising just about the kind of person he is. But that's what we have to say about this episode. As I said, it follows up on a previous one, but don't recall them ever returning to the events of this episode down the road, aside from the fact that, you know, this is the first in turning points for Scully. It's one of the cases where she's the one that sees all the supernatural and Mulder does not. And it's her faith and her belief in what can't be seen that gets them through. She sees the evidence, and she is front center. Now, to me, I think it's un- almost unfortunate, but when they've got a Scully-centric episode, 
they changed the way the episode is shot and moved to longer takes, slower pace with fewer cuts in the editing, and gives a lot of time to dwell on it. And I think they're doing that to represent the fact that she's less impulsive and more calculating, more about making decisions. But it just makes her episodes feel slower because those are the same techniques in filmmaking that are used to distinguish between slow dramatic moments and then high-speed action moments. So it almost feels as though they're sending a signal to the audience that Scully is just not as exciting as Mulder, which I don't think is an impression that they are consciously trying to give. I, as I said, I think they're going more for the fact that she is more methodical and contemplative and just takes her time and works more carefully, but that's not the way it feels from a purely emotional standpoint watching her focal episodes when they are paced this slowly. As for the science, again, this is one that doesn't really pretend to go into much science. I mean, yeah, having four girls with polydactylia, so six fingers and six toes on each hand or foot, as well as the spinal deformities and these, it would be incredibly uncommon if they hadn't been written as quadruplets. Well, then it makes sense that they've got all the same genetic issues. But the other stuff going on, they are pretty much explicitly saying science cannot explain what's going on. This is not science, this is the divine. Because at least in the X-Files universe, the Judeo-Christian God is God, and there is some basis in truth for all the mythologies in the Bible. In any event, that's about all I've got to say about All Souls. Now, instead of doing two weeks between episodes, we'll be back next week to take a look at Home Improvement, specifically the Season 7 episode titled Believe It or Not, which was a deliberate X-Files parody. And then return a week after that when we discuss the Pine Bluff variant as we build to the first film. Thank you for listening.